Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome to another edition of We're Talking Today. Uh, Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. How are you this morning? I'm good. It's been a uh, an interesting 72 hours in Statesboro, but the uh, sun came up again, so we're, we're rocking and rolling in South Georgia. Good deal. Uh, I, I'm, I know it wasn't a total surprise to anyone there in, in Statesboro because I got texts from a couple of different people that saying that, and but some people thought that uh, the game was a lot closer than expected and thought that he might have saved his job, but there were outside outlying factors, I'm sure, uh, more than just the game. So, uh, man, uh, well, let's move on. Let's uh, take a look back at last week uh, in the Sun Belt. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Colin Lacey. Uh, Colin, last week, I don't know, I'm sure you got to see Thursday night's game with Marshall and App State. Your thoughts on the game there? Uh, fun ball game to watch. Yeah, and it looked like one that Marshall was going to end up getting a victory up at up in Boone. But Chase Bryce, again, we talked about him last week, quarterback for App State after his couple of stops at the Power 5 level, but really did a good job of controlling that App offense that last drive. And it was pretty impressive to have them be able to march down the field and score to go up 31-30. to 30. Um, really impressed with what you saw from App handling the adversity, whether they should have had the adversity, you can argue – more about that but with a Marshall team that's now two and two app improves to three and one really good win for app and it'll uh once app gets into Sunbelt conference play I think you'll learn more of whether that should have been as close as it was yeah um both teams there with app and Marshall it'd be interesting to see what Marshall does from here on out uh um it's nice to get those old rivalries, especially when you're both on the, on the, on the same level again, now going. Yeah. Uh, um, so, but man, that, that, that was a tough loss for Marshall, uh, a little shenanigans after the game by the, uh, the app state students, which kind of put a little, uh, took a little, little of the shine off the, uh, off of the, uh, off of the game. I know when, when we've been up there, now, I haven't had a whole lot of dealing with the students. When we've been up there, the, the fans have always treated us very nice. Now, we don't go back like Georgia Southern does in App State, so I don't know how they treat you guys. So, Yeah, it, it's something that we've talked about in Statesboro for a lot of years of the rivalry between Georgia Southern and App State is very different than other rivalries like a Georgia Southern-Georgia State because App State is one of those that – and it's a lot like Georgia Southern and Louisiana are trying to form the last couple of years where, yes, it's a rivalry, and yes, you want to beat them, but there's a lot of respect between the two programs. And that goes back to the old Southern Conference days when Georgia Southern and App State moved to the Sun Belt at the same time. But it's always one of those rivalries that, yeah, you want to beat the tar out of them, but you also respect them and are going to go hang out with them after the game. Well, I think it's one of those things with both Georgia Southern and App. It's one of those things that you feel like they've paid their dues coming up, you know, moving yeah. up. Georgia Southern with its national championship at the FCS level. Same thing with App and App beating uh, Michigan. 
unlike another team that might be in the state, they just kind of started a football program out of nowhere and then jumped to the FBS level. But <laughs> we, we kind of see what happened to them uh, this past week. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. We'll move on from App State, though. Uh, Coastal Carolina, UMass, I mean, what can you say? I mean, Coastal, there, there's no comparison between the two programs. UMass no. is one of the worst in the, in the FBS. So, um, but um, uh, a, a game I found very interesting, uh, the ULM Troy game, just because of the way that ULM dominated that game from start to finish. So did you, I don't know if you got to see any of that. Yeah, that was one we were kind of watching from afar, but I mean, you look at it when ULM jumped out seven nothing. We're like, "Huh, how about that?" And then they're up ten three at half, and they come out with ten points in the third quarter. And you're like, "Wow, ULM has got something going." And I think we knew that ULM had to be better this year. And but last week we talked about it. It took four field goals against Jackson State to knock them off. But I think this is one for ULM that you're like, "Okay, ULM might have something going down there with Coach Bowden." And so it's uh, it was kind of one that raised your eyebrows a little bit when you see the final score. But and I think the biggest thing that kind of stood out was that it took defensive stops for ULM because that was something that ULM hasn't had in a number of years was a defense that you can rely on to make stops down in the fourth quarter. And so, but I think it's good to see from ULM and we talk about it a lot and you and I have talked about it how when the bottom of the Sun Belt Conference is getting better and better, that just makes the conference in and of itself that much better yes you want to have teams that you know you can beat but you look at the Sunbelt Conference there's not a team that you just throw the helmet out there and you're going to get a victory over no the ULM uh, score was a surprise but at the same time like you said if the if the bottom starts pushing at the top the top is only going to uh, should get better as well uh Rhett Rodri uh uh evidently has um was injured during the game and uh, is in the hospital so prayers go out to him and his family uh, I'm not sure how bad it is. I read where it was ICU, but I've also known in the past when you talk about things like this, the, uh, sometimes what you read on a message board is not necessarily the truth. So, but either way, uh, hope for a speedy recovery from him and then he gets healthy. Uh, but our, our friend Nick White there, you got to feel happy for him. Oh, Call, yeah. Called 11 games last year, 10 games, whatever. Didn't lead in any of them and already yeah. has uh, – Two, two, uh, two victories under their belt. And for the first time in a long time, we can say ULM is tied for first <laughs> or is in first place cool. in the Sunbelt West. I hadn't so, even thought about that, but good night. Yeah. And for someone from uh, in, in Lafayette, Louisiana, that taste just that leaves <laughs> a bad taste in my mouth. You know, uh, luckily, the Cajuns have them here in Lafayette. Uh, but, but going back to your point, though, I think it's different that the for once, it seems like uh, Yulon might have a little bit of defense. They've had some pretty good offensive players and, and quarterbacks and receivers, and quite frankly, quarterback or receiver that could play for anybody in the Sun Belt So uh, in, in the past. So uh, their defense, if, if it continues to play well, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it, like you said, they've had some defense or some offensive weapons, and on defense, they've had one, maybe two guys that you're like, that guy's a stud. But 
on the defensive side, you got to have more than one or two that are going to make plays for you, and especially if they're in the secondary, because if your safety is leading you in tackles, it's probably not a good day at the ball yard. And so it's uh, it's good to see, especially the defensive front for ULM looks a lot, a lot more improved than what we've seen in years past. Uh, moving on to to your uh, favorite school to hate, and 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 probably right up there with mine. Uh, I don't know if you got to see the end of that Georgia State Auburn game, or if you've read anything about it. But man, I I felt bad for them for about a second, and then it, it went away quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it was one of those that you're torn because you see Georgia State leading late in the game and 24 to 12 at halftime. Yep. But, and you're looking at it like, there's no way, like, please don't let there be a way. And you're hoping not, but then you're like, well, it's good for the conference, but. Mm. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, and I know Brian Harson changing the quarterback late in that game and Bo Nick kind of goes to the bench and now everybody's up in arms of who the quarterback's going to be in Auburn and Harson's not ready to tell anybody yet it's a big secret and all but um it was good to see Auburn pull away at the end I'm not gonna lie the pick six at the end made you feel a little bit better yeah but uh I guess for the conference it's not the best thing but for southeast Georgia it was it was a little bit of a little bit of happiness yeah no I I agree with you totally in there but I mean you've got to be able to score in the second half though if you're if you're georgia state and and you don't put yourself in that position to get to to get into that um auburn uh, uh, to me the firing of their coach last year their alumni getting involved their boosters getting involved uh excuse the language but auburn i think is going to be a shit show and it's going to be a shit show for a while <laughs> I, I i don't think there's any other way to, to put it um no no and i think I saw something or somebody told me that Auburn let their uh, let their receivers coach go today, which I don't know that when you make a uh, when you make a change in a coaching staff that the receivers coach is usually the first one to go. But uh, that uh, that change has apparently been made. But now, again, still trying to figure out who the quarterback is. And I know there's a there's a lot of uneasiness around uh, around Auburn right now from the fan base. Wouldn't want to be an Auburn fan right now. And I know, I believe they play LSU this weekend. So, uh, I, and obviously it's the Southeast conference. I don't think it gets any easier unless you're playing, uh, Vanderbilt, but, um, who knows what, what could even happen with Vanderbilt on some days. So, but, um, yeah, uh, Georgia state, you have no one to blame by your, but yourself. You got to score in the second half. You score in the second half, you eat up a little bit more clock. You win that game more than likely. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, something I hadn't gone into the box score until the last little bit, but you look at Darren Granger still taking all the snaps at quarterback. Dustin Coates did come back for Georgia state, both Coates and quad Brown were benched by Sean Elliott, just straight benched, not injured, anything like that. And so trying to figure out what's going on up in Atlanta, but it's a, uh, it's an in interesting experience. Well, you would think uh, with the, uh, the way the first half went, you say, okay, he made the right decision. And then, yeah. and again, it wasn't the, well, you can say a lot of times that it's not the offense that let the defense score, but at the same time, well, yeah, you had the pick six at the end of the game that made the game a little bit 
the score a little bit wider. And at the same time, if the offense moves the ball, it keeps the defense off the field. So it, it kind of is the offense's fault on, in this situation. So, but I've banged on them enough. So <laughs> I'm not I'm sure we can do a whole show on, uh, on this. I think we will eventually. <laughs> All right, this is a game that we, we uh, I mentioned I had some east, uh, interest in with Texas State and Eastern Michigan last week. Uh, my God, I did not realize how ugly Eastern Michigan's field is. It looks like, oh, yeah. it looks like dead grass with a sprinkling of snow on it. It is horrible. It is, oh my God, it's ugly. So, um, uh, it, and I know you, I believe you were the one that mentioned to me last week that Texas State had some guys out the week before against Incarnate Word, and we weren't sure how many guys were going to be back this week. But still, does not look good because Eastern Mission, let's be, let's be frank, is probably the bottom, bottom end of the MAC itself as well. So uh, did you get to watch any of that game or follow it at all? No, that one was going on while, uh, while we were going throughout our game. And so it, it was one that, and we talked about it last week with Eastern Michigan. They haven't really been the same um, ever since really Georgia Southern saw them in the Camellia Bowl a couple of years ago. And yes, they have a three and one start, but they beat St. Francis 35-15 to open the season. Got destroyed by Wisconsin second week of the season. Beat UMass, who we've already talked about UMass in this one. Beat them by 42-28 to score. And so when they get into MAC play, I think it's going to be a little bit of a rough go for Eastern Michigan and for Texas State. Haven't looked at the box score to see how many guys have come back. I know they had a lot of guys out, like you mentioned last week, but it's one that you want to see Coach Babadol really continue the growth that you've seen the last couple of years for Texas State. And we talked about it last week when you get the overtime victory over FA or FIU you think everything's on the up and up and the transfers are starting to finally pay dividends for Spavadol after he completely overhauls that roster. But now you're trying to figure out, okay, which Texas state is going to be the one that shows up. Is it the one that really fights and grinds there at FIU or is it the one that falls 59, 21 to Texas state? Yeah. Uh, Eastern Michigan, I should say. Yeah. It, it's uh, uh, the good news for, for Texas state fans. Hey, you got a week off this week. So got some time to, to look at things to see if you can make some changes. Um, uh, oh, this one was a lot closer at the end. I don't know if you saw the end of the Arkansas State Tulsa game or how that one ended. I did not. Okay. One timeout left for Arkansas State. It is third and goal. Uh, evidently, one of the guys on Arkansas State. Uh, it's third and goal for Tulsa. Uh, there's 43 seconds left in the game. Uh, it, it, it started out first and goal, and Arkansas State started using their timeouts. We're able to stop them, stop them, use their timeouts. 43 seconds left. Uh, all they've got to do is stop them on third down. They call timeout. Uh, they're going to get the ball back. Well, Arkansas State defender calls a timeout in the middle before the ball is even snapped, which causes, and I think at that point it was 39 seconds left, which causes Tulsa just to kneel the ball now and no longer has to run a play. Butch Jones was furious, but it, it, it's a game that 
we we think Arkansas State can score, but their defense is is it looks horrendous. So, um, uh, yeah, and that's a it's an Arkansas State team that's going to be coming to Statesboro this week and looking at some of the numbers, the defense. My goodness, it's it's been a rough go of it for Butch Jones in his first year on the defensive side. But on the flip side of that, it's a really dynamic passing offense. You got Carter Blackburn to transfer in from or Carter Blackman rather not Carter Blackburn from CBS but Carter Blackman for the transfer in from Florida State who did really good things down in Tallahassee in his time and he can throw it all over the yard and it's been a struggle for Georgia Southern to defend the deep ball the Cajuns saw that last week yep but it's a matter of if Arkansas State is going to be able to stop anybody and I know that's kind of blunt and probably not the most politically correct way to say it but it's kind of the way it's at right now with Arkansas State. It's a Tulsa team that came in averaging, I think, 20 points a game, and they hang 41 on them. And I know you're at home, you're against Arkansas State, but at the end of the day, if you're scoring 20 more points per game against a like opponent, quote-unquote, there's some issues there. Yeah. Uh, final game of the day, the Louisiana-Georgia Southern game. Uh, from your perspective, what did you see there? Because – you know, obviously, I'm I'm watching and I'm listening to you guys, announcers. Uh, I had Jay on on the on, on, uh, for the pregame show, but um, was I hate to say it like this, but was it as close as the score made it seem? I mean, I thought that I hate to say the Cajuns outplayed them because there were times that obviously they didn't. No, I mean, I 100% get what you're coming at but and i go back and i go back and forth i mean there were a lot of points that i think the cajuns left on the field um that a normal you would expect the cajuns team to take advantage of um and we talked about that during post game and at halftime that there were a lot of opportunities that normally you would see a levi lewis and the cajuns take advantage of that you left on the table second half not quite as much but it really felt like there were different opportunities for Louisiana to run away with this game and just didn't um, and so a late touchdown by Georgia Southern with about three three and a half minutes left in the game cuts it to an eight point game after Georgia Southern had missed a point after attempt or had the point after block in the second quarter and so you're down eight and Georgia Southern just couldn't get the offense going enough to be able to put themselves in position to take the deep shot and so it's a matter of what the offense and the second half has been absolutely horrendous for Georgia Southern. Haven't scored a point all season in four games in the third quarter at all um, and outscored mightily in the second quarter. I don't have the numbers of the second half. And, but it's a matter of Louisiana doing what Louisiana does. And we saw the brains of Eli, Levi Lewis on display again. Georgia Southern finally was able to sack him for the first time in three years. And that was a victory in and of itself. And it was a big stop on third down for Georgia Southern. But again, it looked like Louisiana had control of the game really from the word go. There were a couple of times where Georgia Southern trying to swing the momentum back, but it was just a matter of Louisiana not necessarily being able to deliver that finishing blow that kept Georgia Southern in the game. Well, I mean, now that I'm looking at the stats, though, and, and it's it's something that I don't look at during the game, um, you know, 
quite honestly, it was just, uh, I mean, you guys had more, uh, five more first downs than we did. Outrushed us, uh, where is that, 278 to 129, which I thought was, I'm not saying we would have outrushed you, but I really thought that uh, our guys would have been able to get uh, over 200 yards rushing, closer to the 300 mark itself. So, uh, and that was with 37 attempts. So, you give it to your defensive line. Uh, they, they were there. And also, the time of possession was in Georgia Southern's favor. So, I guess my statement at the beginning of this was was kind of off. I mean, although I never felt like we were in danger because I think we led pretty much from the beginning. Um, and the, yeah, well, no, Georgia Southern had scored first. See there? What game did I watch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going, I mean, I just never felt uncomfortable, I guess. And, and part yeah. of that was due to, I know you guys have lots of injuries in the defensive backfield, so. Uh, but maybe your guys are coming together now too. So I, I think, I think that the two big plays though were huge in my opinion, were the block field goal and the block extra point. Yeah. And you had the block field goal going into halftime and you feel like at that point, if you're Georgia Southern, you go into the locker room at that point, you would have been down or you would have taken the lead. Yep. It was 14, 13 and half because of the block PAT. And so instead of being up by two points, you're down by a point going into the locker room just because of two block kicks. And it's something that Georgia Southern hasn't necessarily done the last couple of years is have kicks blocked. That's been one of the strong suits on special teams for Georgia Southern. So it was a little bit uncharacteristic. And you're like, okay, what does this mean? But I did like the way that Georgia Southern was able to keep the fight going, even though Louisiana scores 14 points in the third quarter. And Georgia Southern has a couple opportunities to go by the wayside, but you get a score, like I said, with 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you're like, okay, Georgia Southern is back in this one. Because you felt, especially to start the fourth quarter, if Louisiana scores one more time, this ball game, you can wrap it up in a bow. But Georgia Southern fights back, scores that touchdown on Gerald Green, his third of the day. He had a really good game for Georgia Southern, and really good to see him. He's somebody that had been banged up earlier on in the season but finished with three scores on the day and really kind of trying to take advantage of some opportunities he has. J.D. King coming back for his first action of the season, coming back from the knee injury. Amari Jones, the running back transfer from Tulane, who we've talked about. Yep. He's played quarterback. He's played receiver. He's played all over the field. He was out because of injury that he had at Arkansas. But it was more of Gerald Green kind of embracing what everybody talked about, the next man up and trying to be the guy that answers the call. And he did it on Saturday and really good to see from him. Well, I can tell you the – I'm just looking here. The last uh, five possessions of the game for the Cajuns, it was punt, 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 and then the end of the game. So – and you're not going to do much on uh, – with an offense that goes uh, – holds the ball for a minute and 17, a minute and 21, and and just under three minutes in a minute and 39. So uh, got to give you guys credit. I mean, uh, hopefully you guys can do the same thing against Arkansas State this weekend. So, uh, all right, Colin, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that's kind of the hope. I'm, I mean, we talked about it earlier with the change in 
leadership of the football program, Kevin Whitley, the cornerbacks coach. He played here at Georgia Southern, a really successful high school head coach in the state of Georgia, coming in and taking over. Hopefully that gives a little bit more spark to this team. And, uh, and we'll see whenever Arkansas State rolls in here on Saturday. Well, we'll come back and talk about that game in a second. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malanson and Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll be right back after this quick message. Welcome back to another episode of We're Talking. Uh, we just wrapped up the uh, Sunbelt Conference week ending September 25th. Uh, moving on to October 2nd, uh, looks like no midweek games this week. And uh, except for uh, for Troy being in South Carolina, it looks like the rest of them are all uh, are all conference games, which is kind of fun to watch and uh, be able to see the conference. So uh, Cajuns head over to Mobile, 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, South Alabama's 3-0, new coach, or no, second year or third? Well, never mind. No, I'm wrong with everything. Year. Is it his first year? That's okay. Yeah. I was right the first time. Um, I don't know if you've got to see South Alabama play, but in, in, in you know, they're, they're three, you know, they struggled against uh, uh, Bowling Green who ended up beating Minnesota this weekend. So yeah. thoughts, thoughts on South Alabama and after seeing the Cajuns play this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a really much more farther along the process than you thought South Alabama would be under Kane Womack in his first year but had a really good victory against Southern Miss. And we talked about them last week on the podcast, but 31 to seven, the final score in week one against Southern Miss and goes to Bowling Green, knocks them off 22, 19, and then handled Alcorn state by a seven point decision a week ago. I think this is the first true test for South Alabama to see where exactly they are on that process of getting South Alabama back on the map. And it's a Cajun team that we talked about it last week, this week, everything of it's still the team to beat in the West. And I don't know that anybody would argue that Louisiana is the team that everybody would pick to win the Western division and seeing them live. It's, there's no question about it that Levi Lewis is going to lead that team, really good playmakers on both sides of the ball. And so this is going to be the first true test for South Alabama. I think a lot of people around the conference are going to be watching to see what this South Alabama team actually is as a, as a host Cajuns this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, first of all, with, with the Cajuns offensive line, what goes on there. Uh, we lost uh, Rubio in the, uh, in, in the, in the game at, at Georgia Southern. So uh, we're a little, we're a little shorthanded on, on the offensive line. Now I don't know if anybody else is out. Uh, I did not get it, get to listen to coach Napier's uh, press conference yet. So uh, South Alabama, we'll see. Uh, exciting time uh first first time the cajuns will go to their new stadium so it, it uh it, it's going to be a should be a good ball game I, i'm hoping in in that sense and hopefully i'm still pulling for the cajuns to come out on top uh talking with jay last night though and i don't know if you got an opportunity to listen to that one yet um you know the cajuns under billy napier have never lost uh sunbelt conference west game Amazing stat. Now, he puts a lot of extra energy into it because he feels like if you once you lose that game, it, it no longer leaves you in the driver's seat for your destiny to get to the Sunbelt Conference Championship. So uh, it, it's, it's one of those he's put extra 
effort into it and uh feels like they count twice twice as much so yeah no i mean it makes sense and really truly billy napier hadn't lost a whole lot of sunbelt games period but yeah. now that you mention it yeah the western division has been uh been kind of his feeding ground so app state at georgia state all right so does app come down from an emotional high or do the extra days off give them a break and can georgia state rebound from a crushing defeat at the hands of Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I really and truly, I think this is one that Appalachian State can run away with. Um, we talked about some of the issues with Georgia State earlier, but I think this is one that the Marshall game was a little bit of a wake-up call for Appalachian State. So I think the Mountaineers come down to Turner Field, and I don't know that this one gets close, and I think it might be a runaway later in the game. And I'm not just saying that because it's Georgia State. Yep, yeah, no, nope, I agree with you there totally. And 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 for for all the App State fans out there, uh, let's just hope that freaking train horn doesn't blow. So um, yeah, I need to not hear that. <laughs> so most annoying thing there is in college football right now, and there are and lots it's of something things. that tick buries ticks off Barry McKnight from Troy. You know, it's something that yep. just shouldn't exist. Yep. Um, I, I somewhat an interesting a game, but uh, but ULM at Coastal Carolina, uh, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it'll be close there either. But at the same time, ULM's coming off a very, a very emotional, very strong win against a Troy team that we really don't know anything about, I guess. So it'll, it'll, we'll see if it's fool's goal or not, if they can hang with the Coastal Carolina. Your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think ULM has improved, um, and who knows what can happen when you get a little bit of confidence under 18 to 24-year-olds, but I guess with a COVID year, it'd be 18 to about 26-year-olds. Yeah. But I, confidence is a dangerous thing to play with, but I think this is a Coastal Carolina team. I think I think everything started at about a 34, 35-point margin for Coastal, which is crazy to say in a conference game, but – I think it. Uh, I think this is Sean Clears all day long, especially at home. Well, we just talked about Troy and ULM taking them out. Uh, I know South Carolina is not what I would say the top of the SEC, and I'm not sure they're even the middle of the SEC. <laughs> Does Troy have a chance there? I think this is one. If Troy is able to hang with South Carolina, it's back to the Troy that you thought. We talked about it last week. How. Troy was going to be improved this year, coming trying to bounce back after a little bit of tough year last year. And so I think this will be, and it's weird to say that an SEC game will be a good barometer, but I think it will be against the South Carolina team that obviously has struggled the last couple of years, Appalachian State knocking them off a couple of years ago. But I think this is, if Troy is even hanging tough in this game, I think this is, a, okay, Troy got a little tick the last year or last week against ULM. They're back to being on the right track yeah I, I i don't know much about uh south carolina or for troy that matter um i mean they struggle against east carolina who who, who at times has looked good in the past but i don't think is a very good football team this year so um and okay well South Carolina just lost to Kentucky too, 16 to 10. So, yeah, and I mean, and I think it kind of really speaks volumes to the Sun Belt 
that that one that line opens as a seven point favorite for South Carolina at home. So really, you're talking a three four point favorite yep. for real. And so again, I think if Troy is able to make a statement with this game, whether it's one of those like at Miami where it comes down to a final play, I think that bodes well for Troy that they're still on the right track. Final game of the day, Arkansas State at Georgia Southern. We talked a little bit about the beginning. My friend Kevin Foote uh, says that if you want to win a game, fire your manager, your coach. And uh, (laughs) Georgia Southern did let their coach go uh, yesterday. So uh, what are you seeing there? Uh, I I think if looking at the numbers against the Cajuns, which I think the Cajuns have a much better defense than Arkansas State, Georgia Southern ought to be able to run all over Arkansas State. Now, the question is, can Georgia Southern start, stop Arkansas State? Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. And I don't know what the over-under is set up, but for this game, I would take the over because Arkansas State's a, game, a team that really likes to score, especially we talked about it, James Blackman, the transfer in from uh, Florida State, almost 1,000 yards already through the air. He was kind of platooning with Lane Hatcher a little bit to see who was going to be the quarterback for Arkansas State. He's kind of run away with it as he played the entire game this past week. But it's it's a matter of if Georgia Southern is going to be able to stop the air attack for Arkansas State because you can run all day, but if they hang 55 on you, it's hard to score 55 when you're trying to run it through the ground. And so it's a matter of if Georgia Southern is going to be able to make the adjustments that they need to be able to stop the deep passes especially because Blackman's really a guy that can hurt you if you're not. Well, it's going to force Georgia Southern defensive backs to uh, grow up very quick on, on, on with that play. And I thought they did a pretty good job uh, against the Cajuns this past, past weekend. But the other thing you have to remember, too, you, you talked about the, the scoring. If Georgia Southern can, can run the ball like they did against the Cajuns, it keeps Arkansas State's offense off the field. So, and, and if they eat up that clock, Arkansas State is not going to have as many opportunities to score. Georgia Southern has to capitalize, though, when they have the ball. Yeah, no, it goes back to some of the old Southern Conference days where Jeff Munkin would put together 10, 15 play drives and it would take 10 minutes off the clock. And that was the patented way to stop some of the high-powered passing attacks that you saw in the SOCON. Just don't give them the ball. And so you love explosive plays. You love the 76-yard touchdown run by Gerald Green this past week. But I think if you're Georgia Southern, you've got to have the slow, methodical drives. And I would be surprised if you see a lot of up-tempo from Georgia Southern. You saw it a little bit against Louisiana. saw it a lot in game one against Gardner-Webb. But I would be surprised if you see a lot of it against Arkansas State this weekend. I I think it's uh, uh, more, like you said, that you have to – you pretty much have to – to, to grind and uh, grind out those ones. And I'm, I'm looking, and that's the interesting part. After your first drive, that was six minutes. You didn't have another drive that you only had one drive over four and one that was just under four. The rest of them were very short drives. So, uh, man, I'm, what game did I watch? I mean, I, I watched this game. I mean, I know I had a couple bourbons and beers and stuff, but. I just don't remember that. I mean, now I'm going to have to go rewatch the game. I feel like I'm an idiot talking, which I know no, some, I, some of you I out there the are going to go, well, we thing. know you're an idiot talking. So I did the exact same thing in the post game because when Aaron Soka, our communications department, brought yep. me our final book, I was like, 
this is not what I just watched. Like, I felt completely different than what the stats told me. Well. Uh, so you're not alone in this. Okay, good, because I'm just sitting there, I'm going, really? Maybe some of these other people were right with, I mean, now that I, I mean, but again, uh, that, that old saying, uh, stats are like bikinis, they show a lot, but they don't show everything, so. <laughs> yes, I, I went there. You hadn't heard that? No. Uh, I think that's a Dan McDonald line, or it, it was probably before Dan McDonald, but uh, I know Dan, I'm pretty sure Dan uses it. So that's fantastic. Uh, any final words of wisdom or anything that you want to, that you want to, wh- wh- what you think the, the Sun Belt did overall this weekend and, and looking forward to next weekend? Well, I don't know if I'm the person to go forward to words of wisdom, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it, I don't know that it was a bad week for the conference. I don't know if it was a good week for the conference, just kind of, just kind of neutral. And now that you get into conference play for the most part, um, I think this is where you're really going to see what the Sun Belt is and who kind of separates themselves from everybody else this year. I agree. It's going to, I just, I like the fact that conference play is starting and we're already, we're already a quarter of the way done with the season. So it, it's 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 funny how football flies and i know as a baseball fan uh uh again i go I, I never thought of it this way but kevin foot or one of our guys here talks about great part about baseball is you get to play the next day you can get that loss out of your mouth you can get that bad taste out of your mouth and you get to play again uh whereas football man you've got another week to go before you can do something and it's just it's eating you up so but uh so well thank you colin for your time i know you got i know you're very busy today um uh we'll have a uh, jd byers on uh later on this afternoon and then uh jt crabtree on wednesday and rage and dave on wednesday and hopefully chris lano who will be the color guy for this weekend's game at south alabama so you've been listening to we're talking Colin, thank you very much again. Like I said, we appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate you having me again, and uh, make sure to give JD and JT some crap for me. I will. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it.